Good morning and welcome to Backchat with Paul Zimmerman and me, Jim Gould. And on Backchat this morning, uh, we're talking about the continuing ban on live music in bars and clubs as part of the anti-epidemic measures. We're joined uh, in our Admiralty studio by Chris B, the founder of uh, the Musicians Foundation and the Underground <coughs> Hong Kong. And also on the line, Simon Williams, a percussionist and founder of uh, the Nine Dragons School of Samba and Zouk, Hong Kong. Um, good morning to you both. Uh, we're hoping to have a, another guest joining us shortly also, but just before we... Oh, OK, and we have, uh, we have a third guest with us as well, uh, Lito Castillo, who's uh, chairman of the Hong Kong Musicians' Union. Uh, looking forward uh, to uh, a good uh, discussion. Um, I have an email here which I'll just read out first to get us going. Uh, now, th this is from uh, Colin Aitchison, um, who uh, many of our listeners will know does a, a music programme for us uh, on Radio 3 which is on every Sunday morning uh, Colin's a band leader as well he says uh, I'm baffled by the ongoing bias of not allowing live music in bars and clubs we have struggled for nearly two years due to the illogical and rather unfair and unreasonable measures and now karaoke bars, concert halls, hotel lobbies and theme parks can now allow live entertainment from the 19th of May so why is there still a stigma on live music in bars and clubs. There are a fair number of full-time professional musicians who had their working livelihoods interrupted uh, over two years. It is uh, not just the suffering of musicians, but also the bars and clubs, especially those uh, which rely on live music. Meanwhile, we've complied with all the recommended COVID health recommendations. I hope that we can bring the date forward to the 19th of May in line with the rest of live music in Hong Kong. Uh, that's from uh, band leader Colin Aitchison. Um, who also does the uh, Radio 3 programme on Sunday mornings, uh, Vintage Chart Toppers. Uh, um, OK, Chris B, thanks very much for joining us. Oh, so thanks. what effect has this uh, ongoing uh, ban on live music in bars and clubs uh, had on the, the local bands and the local music scene? Uh, well, tremendous. Um, just, yeah. Because, um, you know, I know you say bars and clubs, but there's also, like functions like weddings and um, annual parties etc it's because you mentioned in that letter that in hotel lobbies it's permitted mm -hmm. but actually like it's um, within the rest of the hotel like function rooms it's the same law it's banned right so besides the financial stress this is putting um, all the musicians and their families um, it's also a mental stress it's like you know, musicians were the first to get vaccinated, the first to follow the rules, wear masks, have screens, etc. Um, and this time, the fifth wave, um, <laughs> which was our biggest wave, everything was closed. So I don't see how they end up being the last to go back to work. It doesn't make any sense. Have you had any, indica any indication of when it might be able to resume? I mean, the, the, the third wave of uh, easing measures is due in the middle of next month. Yeah, that's, that's what we've been hearing. It's that it's the 21st of June, which is kind of ridiculous. Like, why? Why is there? There is no reason. I mean, even this restaurant these far past few days that supposedly had, you know, a cluster of 20-odd cases, they're, they're permitted to continue... Being a restaurant, I mean, 
uh, what is it? There isn't actually a reason that the musicians cannot go back to work. Is Isn't it just because I mean, we had these? Uh, you, you remember the we had this uh, in the very early stages of uh, COVID. Uh, we had an infection cluster among musicians, and uh, is, is, you think it's just kind of being a fear or a, you know, kind of a bureaucratic hesitancy here or to to go back to that particular um, a group and allowing those those activities to restart. Yeah, well, that was that was the first the first wave, right? So Correct. yes, that happened. Two years ago, and that was before people were vaccinated, people wore masks, people had screens. Um, I think this is all very different. And as I said, during the fifth wave, there was no live performance. Like so, they're not musicians are not responsible for anything for any clusters. Mm. They, you know, they they just need to work. They've been left out of all the government handouts and everything generally because most of them are freelancers well, um, they need to work and we want to want to work they and we want to dance work. we want to dance i mean <laughs> well, yes <laughs> yes we do <laughs> okay uh, lito castillo good morning to you good morning chairman of the hong kong musicians union um has anyone explained to you the rationale for not allowing uh, live music in bars and clubs and other venues I really don't understand why they won't be allowing uh, live music when the bars are opening. Uh, in my opinion, it's supposed to be um, the, 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 the live music is supposed to be in a package with the bar and the uh, rest of the, Because, I mean, a lot of musicians are out of work already for the past two years. I mean, they're all waiting uh, for, for the government to allow them to play live music. And when they announced the uh, May 19th, they, they were hoping that they could go back to work and play their, their music. But unfortunately, uh, when we checked the uh, uh, official government cassette, then it's still not allowed. No live music allowed and no dancing, which I am not sure why they did that. Uh, yeah, the, the 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 announcement mentions um, no live music or dancing uh, up until uh, the end of the month. Am I correct there? Yeah. Yes, in yeah. the annex. Yes. 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 Yeah. 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 So, so do you think, therefore, it, it may be possible that uh, that from from June the first, it might resume? Uh, or, I, we, we don't know. We don't know because. Yeah. When the government talks about it, they say, oh, it's yeah, the social, the relaxing of the social, you know, restrictions are going as planned and phase two is going ahead on May the 19th and then the last phase will be on June the 21st. Mm. And it seems like they're doing it monthly, like, mm -hmm. so it doesn't feel good. Mm. But from, an, from, an, from an, an, an infection point of view, there seems to be no rationale. The only thing, the only rationale we can see here is probably because we had the dancing cluster and we had the musician cluster at the very early stage of the COVID. And so it seems that the bureaucrats continue to, to hold on to those two um, uh, groups as, as, a, as a risk factor without any, um, any real um, ex explanation of why that would uh, would be the case. That's correct. From a medical point of view or an epidemic point of view, we should actually have an epidemic expert here or a government official who can explain this. Mm, very good idea. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, sure, yeah, we always try to uh, arrange an appropriate 
panel for discussion on this programme. It's not always possible to get uh, the, all the people mm. that we'd like to get, we're, but we're very grateful to have uh, you three on, on the programme this morning. Uh, let's talk to Simon Williams. Good morning. Good morning. Now, Simon, you're a percussionist and founder of the Nine Dragons School of uh, Samba and Zouk. Um, do, can, can you see any argument whereby, for instance, like brass instruments uh, could be seen as a, as a threat of uh, spreading the virus round in an enclosed room or something? I mean, those issues have been considered uh, by scientists globally, and I think um, ultimately they've come to the view that it's actually not, not a particularly high risk. Hello? There's not a particularly high risk from brass instruments by the time the air has gone around through the valves and through the instrument. Hmm. Um, but in any case, I think where we're at with winds and brass instruments at the moment is that people who are performing without masks, uh, certainly in the government venues, are required to undergo testing. Um, so that, that's the distinction that's been made in government venues. I see no reason why the same couldn't apply to other venues. If you're you know, performing without a mask, you get tested. If you have a mask, you're okay. I mean, these days it goes without saying that vaccine pass arrangements are going to apply to all venues. So, um, and that's fine. I mean, you know, the vast majority of musicians got vaccinated very early on uh, because we wanted to get back to work. And um, so, so that's not a problem. I, I think, the, I mean, this comes to the, the point that everyone's making, is that the, the scope of the restrictions is completely arbitrary. Um, the live band cluster that occurred way back in the beginning of COVID, before, it was before people got vaccinated, there was a, a group of musicians who were not only performing together, but I understand they were also shared accommodations together. Mm -hmm. um, and that would have obviously influenced the, the fact that the, the virus was able to pass among them. Uh, but as, as um, Chris said, things are, are different now. People are taking precautions. They're vaccinated. They, they're masking. They're using uh, barriers, ensuring you know, gaps between performance and uh, the audience. And every single venue and every single situation is, is different. So why can venues just not sort of conduct um, a risk assessment in the same way that they would for any other health and safety issue? Uh, you know, at the moment, this is preventing, for example, a solo harpist playing uh, for a wedding or, you know, a jazz trio playing in the corner of a very large, well-ventilated hall for a banquet or a corporate event. Um, and that doesn't really seem to make any sense. Hey, so, so how many musicians have left Hong Kong and how many are still here? How many venues are still open and how many venues have closed? I mean, to what, to what sense is the music uh, industry ready to, uh, to get started? Where can I go and, and listen? I think that might be one for Lito Castillo. Yeah, uh, we have, okay, with Hong Kong musicians, you know, we got a few members, but we are representing a lot of musicians. I would say around more or less 1,000 to 2,000 musicians around Hong Kong, uh, which of different nationalities. We got the Filipinos, we got the Chinese, the local Chinese, and we got the Americans. Uh, a lot of musicians are out of work right now. Mm. Yeah, but are they still in town? How, yeah, how many have left? I mean, a number have left. A, a lot of them recently went to... Um, Thailand, because Thailand have dropped all the restrictions, so they're actually performing there. I, I even know of some musicians who got short-term lease there, and they're going to assess it because they don't know what's going to happen in Hong Kong. But there are other musicians that have, yet, yes, definitely packed up and gone somewhere else where they can play and make a living. 
not necessarily their home country if if you know if they had a home country to go to mm. that's true because mm. of course musicians are all almost all freelance right they're paid paid by performance mm. is that right yeah it's mm. like project mm. yeah project by project mm. right how about stages i mean how many how many stages have we lost uh, venues have we lost yeah. uh, i mean how are we doing there we're not we're not doing great but there's this is the spirit of hong kong right there's always going to people who's going to open new establishments and you know see the opportunity that people are craving live entertainment and dancing as you said so i don't see the closures of some venues as a great loss but most of them are hanging in there waiting to reopen waiting to put bands in to entertain you that's true i mean the, the importance of the mu live music in hong kong as, as i have observed you even not only even imported uh, imported musicians from other countries just to uh, just to uh, provide live music to hotels bars and pubs and, and they're all here and waiting for the government decide when we can start playing again hmm. yeah uh, simon williams um, yeah live music uh, for people who like it which it which is many of us is a, a big part of life in hong kong hasn't isn't it so um w what sort of feeling do you have that uh, not being able to listen to live music has had an adverse effect on the public mood at a time when uh, we probably all need a lift <laughs> from people who, have, you know, who, who missed the opportunity to go out to, to shows or to you know, hear bands in local jazz bars performing. And um, so, yeah, there's definitely demand. And, and also with the Samba School, uh, we had to stop our rehearsals, but this is also a community organization where we're trying to bring uh, Brazilian Samba and Carnival Arts into uh, the community in Hong Kong. And uh, yeah, people have been very frustrated that we had to suspend um, everything for several months um, it, it's been a very uh, difficult time for everyone. So is there any sign that m the music festivals are coming back, uh, Clock on Flop or something like that, at the, uh, later on in the new year? Is there any signs of that? Uh, hope, hopefully. If um, I mean, it seems positive from the... Because places like Clock and Flap, they do them in places that have uh, places of entertainment licensing, which as long as they can have like live music and... F and B at the same time, they will go ahead. I think it's when was it last year that the government said, "Yes, you can have clock and flat, but you're not allowed to have food or drink at the event." People get thirsty when they dance. <laughs> <laughs> they do indeed, <laughs> and hungry. <laughs> well, that's that's what I mean. You know, I mean, uh, there was a time that they allowed live music somewhere in the uh, west uh, west coast. But that when when the music starts, then they start serving food and beverages. I don't see the, the I, I don't see the how could it, how could it prevent from having COVID if you <laughs> just stop serving food, but you know, and, and having live music. So I don't see the I just really understand. Again, it's the arbitrary nature that. Um, you know, if you're allowed to have a party in a restaurant, why are you not allowed to have a picnic at a live music event and outdoors where it's ventilated? 
Well, I guess, I, I guess from a bureaucratic point of view, they find it hard to uh, have a, a specific rules. I mean, they uh, they can deal with a general rule and ban mm. something, but they find it hard to be very specific. So, um, so that's that's the challenge, isn't it? And they they're fearful of what what happened in the past. So, uh, I think we're dealing with that. So the question is, how do we get them over it? How do we get the, right. uh, the bureaucrats to uh, mellow out and uh, start listening and getting on with the music? I mean, we, we, we talked a little bit about the live band cluster. I mean, the other one that's, that's worth addressing is the dance cluster, you know, which came about from people attending uh, quite large parties. I think you know, maybe more than 100 participants in some of those events. And, and um, close up and changing partners because it, it, was, it went, I think, via the, these dancing structures that they share among each other. Right. So, uh, you know, again, it's, it's the arbitrary nature of the restriction that you buy, you know, because of that, you prevent all dancing. Uh, but how about smaller events? I mean, you know, if, if events are smaller scale or if people are dancing individually rather than dancing in couples and, and swapping, I mean, there, there are so many different parameters out there. And again, like, you know, does, does the government really need to get into the weeds and the detail in the restrictions or can it just put in place some sort of overall restrictions on the number of people in a space perhaps you know uh, like in the same bit that they've done with restaurants and allow people to make some sensible you know risk assessments for themselves well i mean could that be part of the reason why uh, live music in bars and clubs is still restricted i mean they tend to be quite small as venues don't they i mean okay if you go and watch the hong kong philharmonic or something then you're in and a large open space in the cultural centre, but if you get a lot of people crammed into a, a small bar or club uh, with a live band on the stage, then perhaps the the you know, the, the fear is that um, it will be much easier to you know spread infection around. Uh, but they don't they have a capacity on like bars and clubs? It's seventy five percent at the moment, right? Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. what they allow, so they can restrict that. And actually, speaking about dancing, I wanted to say it's not just musicians that are affected. Although the dance, the dancers in Hong Kong is a much smaller community. They're the ones you who do the choreography that you see in, in music videos, and they also put performances on, and they can't either. So I'm just just adding dancers to to our musicians group. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've increased your remit there. Yeah. So, no, but I love to see. I mean, I, I hear that uh, you know venues like the Wunsch are, uh, are, are you know, kind of coming back, and um, it's, it's great to, to see that everybody's kind of getting ready on the on the venue side. I mean, the Fringe Club has a, has a corner bar there that they always had music that has been empty for for how long? Um, I mean, there's so many venues out there ready to uh, to get going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Which, they're all on standby, just waiting for the government. Mm. Yeah, uh, Simon, do you, are you optimistic that you know once once uh, the restrictions are lifted, that the the the, the, the scene will come back uh, with full vigour again? Uh, I am optimistic, and that's why I'm still here in Hong Kong, despite mm. the the difficulties of the last few years. I'm still here, hoping that we can get back to some vibrancy that Hong Kong inherently has. Mm. Um, so you know, both on the music side and, and on the dance side, because I also teach uh, Brazilian zouk dancing. Um, I, I do hope that we can rebuild that community. Um, I do hope that we can get back on stage bringing uh, the arts to people of Hong Kong. I'm sure that uh, everyone in Hong Kong works extremely hard and needs a good opportunity to let their hair down. So, so, so what particular problems have you had to deal with uh, over the past two years? 
Well, I think, I mean, it's obviously the government uh, closing down live music and, and dancing um, and cl closing venues have been one of the biggest issues. I mean, even when things restarted last year, um, you know, it, it's not like a switch that you can flip back on. It takes people to time to uh, plan and prepare for projects. And people are going to be reluctant to really invest a lot in, in major festivals and, and bringing major acts over, for example, if there's still that uncertainty factor. Yeah. That the government might turn around um, next week or next month and decide that they want to lock down the whole of Hong Kong again or close all, you know, all live music <laughs> off again. So I mean, we do need um, sort of long-term stability. And, and I think I may have slightly touched on it there. Uh, open borders uh, is another key issue. I mean, for me, for example... Um, one of the key musicians that I work with um, is, is a permanent resident in both Hong Kong and Macau and, and is currently in Macau because his wife works there. So that means that we've been un unable to do anything together um, during the past two years. Um, uh, and, you know, for, for festivals like Cock and Flat, they're going to bring artists in from Europe and the US um, as well as employing local musicians. They need to know that uh, people can come uh, freely into Hong Kong and hopefully won't be subject to too long a uh, quarantine period because that adds a lot to uh, the costs. So go yeah, and government is is planning this high kind of restart the economy, restart life in Hong Kong. They having investments planned. For example, there's going to be a massive light show that will continue the whole month of July, starting the first of July around the harbour. There are a lot of activities planned for the, later this year to kind of show that Hong, put Hong Kong back on the map and that we're open again. So, um, have you have you heard the word on the street whether the government is also planning to invest in music shows and, and music festivals? Well, that would be good. Um. No, but um, what I wanted to add to what Simon said was like when we had that because you know obviously this year was the fifth wave and we we had pockets of where musicians were able to play. I think it was six weeks each time, and what I noticed was because um, I also do events, a range of events, I would quickly put an event on. And people would come to it and I would talk to people and go, why are you here? Are you here to see the bands? Are you here for the music? And it was a resounding, I'm here to enjoy some live music. Mm. So I think there are, I think it will bounce up, but it also, you know, it's also some people will consider um, their safety and et cetera, et cetera. And the actual state of what COVID is like in Hong Kong at that time, because, you know, some people are fearful, and rightly so, if they have health conditions. Hey, I have an interest in uh, in life music in the streets. I mean, whenever I'm in another city outside and I always enjoy this, uh, the music in the streets. And um, so where are we and, and what are the uh, the wishes from the music industry on that side in, in terms of able ability to kind of play in the MTR station, uh, play in the, under, in, in the, um, the underground uh, passages in Kowloon, um, how can we? Is, is that is that kind of scene that's going to grow? And can government do more? Uh, can we do more to get uh, music in the street? Um, or do I ask the wrong question here to the wrong group? <laughs> well, well, that's kind of busking, isn't it? Yeah, um, well, uh, busking or the setting up of little stages that can be used to kind of share music with. Uh, that would be absolutely lovely. Absolutely. Yeah, fantastic. but you still need to uh, have a license for that. You have to ask for the. Or the police department, or some, some, or you know, in the government for a license to uh, perform in such places too.
So, so that's the, 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 the difficulty is getting these licenses for uh, each yeah, event. So you cannot get a license for the stage and just have it yeah. as, a, as an on and ongoing basis? Yeah, I mean, I know yeah. West Carloon have a section you can apply. I don't know if it's still valid, but mm. before, before even last year, you could apply and then you could busk along certain areas of West Carloon. Uh, I have a friend who's doing this for ages, and uh, he called it a play and run. Because he's been playing, he's been basking somewhere in the moon, and when he sees some government officials, he just pack up and run and go to another place. Okay. Okay. On, on that. On that note, uh, we're not going to. We're not going to encourage the uh, breaking the law here. But uh, yeah, exactly. we, we want to have music back, and that's the question: is how are we going to do that, and how we can make recommendations to government to to bring back a great atmosphere in the city as part of this whole uh, attitude of uh, you know celebrate opening up Hong Kong again, spending a lot of money on on fixing all the light shows and and bringing fireworks and otherwise back, but bringing also just generally music in the street and to kind of uh, lift the the mood. Okay, that's a good that's a good way to finish the uh, conversation, Paul. Uh, thanks very much to all of our guests this morning. Uh, we're coming to the end of the program, We've run out of time. But uh, thanks very much to Chris B, uh, founder of the Musicians Foundation and the Underground Hong Kong. Thanks to Lito Castillo, uh, the chairman of the Hong Kong Musicians Union, and to Simon Williams, uh, percussionist and founder of the Nine Dragons School of Samba and Zouk Hong Kong. Um, just before we end today's programme, some messages, Facebook message and a couple of emails on other topics. This on our Facebook from Richard says, uh, I saw a photo of Carrie Lam. Sorry, it is on this. This is on the same topic, actually, about music. So I saw a photo of Carrie Lam on an electric bus the other day. It was a first for her. She's never visited a bar to experience live music. So thus the continuing ban. That's Richard's take. Mm. Uh, this from Joy. We were talking yesterday about the Philippines election. Okay. She says, uh, I'm quite disappointed on your segment about the election in the Philippines. I thought uh, you're going to invite some people who are uh, better to ask about what's really happening there. Uh, the guy named Villanueva, correct? That Well, that was uh, Avon... Uh, Eman Villanueva we had on yesterday. Mm -hmm. Works with um, Asian migrants. Uh, she says he, he's part of the opposition. Please invite those who can tell you what's really happening in the Philippines and what is the current government. Uh, uh, what's it? What has it done? Um, uh, what's it done? Which which is good for us Filipinos? Uh, they cannot just uh, accept the fact that uh, Marcos and Duterte won by a landslide. You can invite people from. SMNI News. Nowadays, this mainstream media is the one that true Filipinos uh, believe in uh, what they're reporting. Um, I'm going to get up to okay. speak with uh, Philippine politics. Huh? Uh, that's right. Yeah, complicated. And this from Andrew says, uh, this is about taxis. We, we, uh, we, well, he wrote in the other day about um, uh, taxi fares going up and mm -hmm. different coloured taxis, the red, blue and green. He says, uh, I heard you read my comment. Your co-host's remark about relative distances travelled is absolute rubbish. That is taken care of by the cost of the licence. My vote is for just having taxis, no types. I know red, green, or blue. Well, um, maybe it's, it's maybe it's time with the, uh, the, uh, the the growth of townships and the urban development of the new territories that we start giving up on these uh, these distinctions. 
It could well be, and that's most likely to be our topic for back chat tomorrow. Here you go. When uh, uh, Andrew Work will be here tomorrow uh, hosting uh, back chat. So um, thanks to all of our listeners, thanks to our guests, thanks to everybody who wrote in. Thanks very much to you, Paul. Yeah, it was good. It was good being here with yeah, you, Jim. Yeah, we'll talk to you again soon. Let's, quick, let's uh, dance. <laughs> <laughs> Not just now, but uh, later. Later this evening. It's Friday, after all. Um, okay. Uh, uh, the weather cloudy to overcast, uh, with showers and thunderstorms. Um, sorry.